some of you have asked, uh, not having seen my wife Marinelle with me the last uh, few weeks, uh, we've had an interesting summer. Uh, she had some uh, recurrences I won't go into detail to from an explosion that she was in way back in 2003 that uh, led to some neck surgery. And uh, as with all of those surgeries, uh, 15 plus years later, you can get a few things going wrong. That's going very well, but we discovered uh, a few weeks ago that uh, she had uh, atrial flutter, which is a cousin of atrial fibrillation. I don't want to get too medical here, uh, but uh, similar but different. Uh, and we have been uh, dealing with some of the craziness in the hospitals. We thought it was going to get dealt with uh, two or three weeks ago, and uh, all the doctors were ready to go. And uh, she had a uh, quick positive COVID test and, uh, and then a, uh, an overnight uh, longer uh, negative. Uh, but somebody on the uh, anesthesia team decided they didn't care about the better test. Uh, they were going to go by the previous test. And uh, uh, one thing, uh, I'm getting off track here, but I'm, I'm glad to see some of our medical profession uh, speaking up out of their wisdom uh, rather than just uh, uh, parsing or without parsing party lines. Uh, Long story to the end, uh, a difficult week. In fact, I will ask for this uh, as I pray before we read our scripture. Uh, pray for Dr. James Smith, uh, uh, our cardiologist, my wife's cardiologist. He and his wife were school parents with us in the 90s when I pastored a good-sized church with a large school in, in Tampa. And uh, uh, unexpectedly, last weekend when he was going to do Marinelle's uh, catheterization on Monday, his mother died in St. Augustine. And and he called us Sunday night to delay till uh, Wednesday or Thursday. And then on Wednesday, whose wife, who has been seriously ill and he's been taking a lot of time off, died on Wednesday. Uh, wonderful, uh, godly Christian couple that we have deep respect for, who's deeply respected in the medical community in, in Tampa. So pray for him, uh, his daughter Bonnie, who was in school with one of my sons. Uh, but uh, we did the catheterization on Friday. Uh, they basically said to her, given the one you had 15 years ago and this one, the likelihood of you ever dying of anything in your arteries uh, around the heart is about zero. So that's the good news. But uh, we are Tuesday expecting to have the uh, ablation done if one or two other minor things that uh, uh, could be temporary glitches. So appreciate your prayers. We go in 730 uh, Tuesday morning and uh, we're told... Uh, the surgeon says 98% first time fix, lifetime, and, uh, and in 26 years, he's never had anybody in the 2%. So uh, we said, where do we sign? And uh, obviously, ultimately, trust in the Lord. But she has missed you all and uh, appreciates your prayers. Uh, but more important uh, than her or me uh, or any of our individual prayers, though they are important, is uh, that we deal rightly with the Lord and listen to his word, for he is indeed, as we've already said, our salvation. Let's pray. Father, uh, we would delight in you even more than you've already drawn us to do. Would you dig out our ears and give us the ears of disciples? Would you put Jesus in the foreground of our lives and let us not hide him in the background? Show us more of who you are, dear Lord, as we open your book and you open us. Amen.
Our text uh, this morning is in Ephesians, the sixth chapter, verses 10 through 20. Uh, And in case you've gotten too comfortable, uh, would you stand uh, as we read uh, the text? The Apostle Paul writes in this, uh, what we call the last chapter of this letter to the church at Ephesus, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with perseverance. Lost my place. Making supplication for all the saints and also for me. That the words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains. That I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Wonderfully, we say, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Be seated, please. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God. So whose strength? God's strength. Whose armor? God's armor. Like David with Saul's armor, uh, Saul the king tried to give his armor to David and it wouldn't fit. I would say to you this morning uh, that if you think that God can hand off his armor to you like something that you keep without him, it won't fit. The armor that we put on is God's armor by the person of God, by the work of the Spirit, uh, by putting on the Lord Jesus Christ. And let me say up front in case you've missed it, uh, in case you miss it along the way and I'm not clear, uh, I think this is one of those texts where we have a tendency to want to focus in on what's the belt and, and, and what's the shield and, and what's the helmet. And there are things important about the images of those pieces which are tied to uh, armor that was there, but it's much like the fruit of the Spirit. Uh, Have any of you like me ever gone to God as if he was the corner pharmacist and 
say, I need a bottle of peace this week? Or uh, have you got some capsules of patience? Uh, and a good uh, pastoral pharmacist will say to you, uh, can't fill that order. And uh, you say, why? And uh, he says, well, it only comes in a package deal. Uh, it's the fruit of the Spirit of God. And when you get Jesus by the Spirit of God and clothe yourselves with him, you get love and joy and peace and the rest of the nine. Well, for behold, God is our salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. The Lord, Yahweh, is my strength and my song, and He also is become my salvation, Isaiah wrote. And He also is my armor. And I put on the armor of God when I put on Christ. This image is there of armor throughout the scriptures. We can't look at everything, but let me just read you words from Isaiah 1, Isaiah 11, the first five verses. Isaiah 11, there shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, and a branch from his root shall bear fruit, and the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, and his delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. Who are we talking about? Messiah. He is that one. And what does God say about his anointed one? And his delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. He shall not judge by what his eyes see, by worldly eyes. He shall not decide disputes by what his ears hear, but with righteousness he shall judge the poor and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. And he shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth, and with the breath of his lips he shall kill the wicked. Righteousness shall be the belt of his waist, and faithfulness the belt of his loins. Behold the Lord Jesus Christ, whose word is a sword, and all the other army is his. Righteousness, the belt of his waist. Faithfulness, the belt of his loins. So first, 614a, stand in Christ our truth. We don't stand in the belt, though we wear Christ as our belt of truth, but we stand in Christ who is that belt of truth. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth. For the Roman soldier, this belt was most likely the one that referred to the leather apron which was under the armor and protected the thighs. There were a couple of other belts. That word could be used multiple ways. But this, I think, is that one. And the crucial thing to see is not that it's the belt, but it is the belt of truth. What you put on is the truth. And if we had time to do an hour-long Bible study, we'd look through that in the whole book of Ephesians so I could demonstrate I'm not making up what I'm saying. This is the culmination Paul comes to. Ephesians 1.13 reads, In Him, Christ, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. What do we put on? The word of truth, the word of the gospel, is what protects us. 
Ephesians 4, 15, rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ. This belt of protection is the protection that lets you grow up to become, to live long enough to become what you are to become in Christ. Ephesians 4.21, assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus. This is not general truth that we put on as our protection. This is the truth that is in Jesus, which is distinct. It's what Francis Schaeffer called true truth, because we have so watered down truth today that uh, as long as I'm being authentic, I'm giving you my truth. I mean, I can think of a lot of nasty people that were being authentic and could give you their truth and you wouldn't like it about a, a bit. Ephesians 4, 25 through 27. Therefore, having put, away all, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil the truths we are to speak are not just what many call truth today, like I said, being authentic. But these are rather the truths that apply the gospel, that say to one another what God is like and how the gospel, the cross, changes our core identity and core trajectory. Martin Lloyd-Jones was one time at Westminster Seminary in one of his last trips to the U.S., accused of being against small groups. He corrected the student, who I've heard the recording was, I think, like some of my students, not that we professors can't be arrogant too, but uh, being a little uppity in the way that he was challenging Martin Lloyd-Jones. But Martin Lloyd-Jones said, where did you get the idea that I'm against life groups? I'm not against small groups. I'm against small groups that don't have elders or wise men and women in them that make sure that what's being taught is the truth that is in Jesus, that isn't just giving general insights into life, but that helps people throughout the week apply the gospel of the cross in their experience. Because sometimes in liberal churches and even in conservative churches, what's missing is the cross and the truth of Jesus. We talk about the same subjects from slightly different angles, but we lose Jesus in the midst of it. Because this is a unique truth. Two, 614b, stand in Christ our righteousness, our breastplate of righteousness. And having put on the breastplate of righteousness. For the Roman soldier, this breastplate was a piece of armor that covered the chest to protect against blows and, and arrows. Isaiah 59, 17, 59, 17. He put on righteousness as a breastplate and a helmet of salvation on his head. He put on garments of vengeance for clothing and wrapped himself in zeal as a cloak. That, by the way, is a verse that's behind Romans 10 about the gospel of peace and the warrior God coming and proclaiming peace, but the backside is judgment. 
putting on Christ, living in Him by the Spirit who quickens our new nature, puts on both protection by the objective righteous standing given us before God in Christ, and it puts on a new life committed to righteousness, to just ways of treating one another. When we put on the truth that protects us, it gives us our legal standing before God, but it also makes us one of His who learn to look at our neighbors the way God looks at our neighbors, because we first looked at ourselves the way God looks at us, and now we know we need the cross. We need the death of Christ to be loved. And out of that kind of love, we can love our neighbors. Righteousness, standing firm in righteousness, received as we are clothed with Christ and jealously living towards our neighbors with both truthfulness and Christ-centered grace. And that breastplate keeps us from fear of others, from fear of rejection. It keeps us from fear of our own haughty condescension and judgmentalism because we have the truth and they don't. How dare we say we have the truth and you don't when the truth is that I need Jesus to die for me and I need to live in his cross every day. How did that become grounds for haughtiness and condescension towards our neighbors? Only when we lose the gospel and we become religious and shrink the cross down to fit into our religion. Three, stand in Christ in our gospel. He is our gospel readiness. Feet readied with the gospel of peace. Verse 15, and his shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. Isaiah 52, 7, 52, 7, how beautiful upon the, upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news who publishes peace, who brings good news of happiness, who publishes salvation, who says to Zion, your king reigns. Shoes that give us a gospel peace readiness were readied neither to flee out of fear and we're not ready to rage or seek righteous vengeance, but to give ourselves to the task of going across the mountain ranges that divide people. We bring words of peace from Christ Jesus that motivate care for every human, of lo human life from the womb to Alzheimer's, that take away fear of judgment, that give us hope that isn't destroyed by trauma. Trauma can destroy. I can't tell you how many married couples uh, that I've known over the years of ministry who lost a child. And I learned to begin to pray immediately because that kind of loss, humanly speaking, can divide and create a wedge as easily as it can create a bond. I've watched young wives, mothers, distance themselves from their husband, and maybe the husband was being insensitive, but the wife was saying, you can't understand. This baby came out of my body. There's no way you can be included in what I'm going through. That's the danger. That's a flaming dart of division. And I've known husbands. I know with the first, the worst of Mary Ellen, my five uh, 
miscarriages that she had. Um, Both of us just months later watching some television show and because of the plot we both just started weeping. One of the smartest things I ever did was learn to cry with her. And one of the smartest things she would tell you she ever did was to realize that my sense of loss and longings of what that child would be to me as a father was as deep as hers was. It was just different. But the devil divides us with trauma. And we need the shield of truth in Jesus, the shield of faith, to protect us in those kinds of moments. Words of peace that provide meaning and identity that survive divorce and job loss and disease and death. Fourth, stand in Christ, our faithful shield. In all circumstances, verse 16, take up the shield of faith. Do you notice that one's different? In all circumstances, what you need is the shield of faith. And it's whom the faith is in that's crucial. Not faith as some kind of nebulous thing. It's put on Jesus. Put on putting your faith in Him Because in Him, putting Him on, you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. This is likely not the small, round Roman shield that was very maneuverable to block swings of swords, but it was the big shield that we've all sort of seen in movies, however well done or not. It guarded the whole person. And in the Old Testament, it's used as an image of God's protection of His people Uh, Interestingly, uh, the Greek word is uh, thoreos, which is a form of the word thura. Guess what the word thura means? You can file this away and maybe on a quiz show you'll win some money someday. It means door. I think that's fascinating as this two and a half foot wide or so sword that's four feet wide is the doorway to let your enemy into you. And so the shield is that protector of the doorway into your heart and your mind and the splunk of your bowels that can make you sick and weak and make you wilt. So put on Jesus as that big door of protection that is the shield above you, that is promises that protect like a shield that you've heard and believed when sealed with the promised spirit. Ephesians 1.19, and what? is the immeasurable greatness of His power toward us who believe. His great might, which is Him, is the shield in front of us. Ephesians 2.8, For by grace you've been saved through faith, and this not of your own doing, it's the gift of God. It's not your faith, it's the grace of God that puts Jesus before you and in you and around you. Bold access, a doorway to God through Jesus even as Jesus is the door that protects you, the shield. Ephesians 3.16, with power through His Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. So the faith is the doorway of the Spirit into our hearts that Christ might dwell there. 1 Peter 5.8, 1 Peter 5.8, be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. 
flaming darts that alienate from God by tempting us to disobedience. And it's the beauty of being clothed with Jesus and realizing I'm beautiful to God in spite of my sin because I'm clothed with Jesus. And that shield makes the lesser desires and temptations of this world less desirable. Anger that tempts us to nurse it. There are a lot of words for anger, and I don't have time to get into this, but we're in officer nomination period. Elders are not, elder candidates that get elected and ordained are not to have the kind of anger that's nursed. We can all flare up, but don't let the sun go down on your anger. The kind of man you don't want to elect as a church officer is a man who nurses his anger, who's still stirring the pot on his bitterness five years later or ten years later after someone who has offended him, because that's a man who's not well clothed and well shielded by Jesus, because the flaming darts are getting into his life. Doubt from human-based ideologies that claim to be based on reason or science, but they mask their necessary presuppositions, which are often borrowed from biblical revelation. One of the most fun parts of ministering for uh, six and a half years at at MIT was uh, uh, to help professors and grad students, half the students were grad students, you couldn't avoid them, uh, to show them that an awful lot of their presuppositions in applying science to life were faith-based assumptions that they had stolen from Christianity or somewhere else. And it's not that science isn't wonderful and doesn't give us good gifts, but so much philosophy of science is as faith-based as anything. I hate it that we got that into a political term because everything is faith-based. Everybody makes presuppositions on which their arguments stand. And an argument is simply put together from a place that you can stand. And the best scientists will tell you, well, we stand there for a while, and then we found out the platform got knocked out from under us. And we got to change the paradigm. But there's still wonderful truths about God's reality that can be learned in all that process. But don't let the hidden assumptions of the world's ideologies cause you to think that uh, doing things by faith in Jesus is irrational. You have better reasons if you really look at church history, at archaeology, at the reliability of the Bible that Steve's going to be teaching on in that morning class. Illness, despair, death can lead knowledgeable people to ignorance and corrupted thinking. Divisions, this is all from Ephesians, from greed, envy, covetousness. Five, stand in Christ our salvation, our helmet of salvation, and take the helmet of salvation. The Roman helmet was bronze with cheek pieces you've seen these in some of the movies that come down to protect the sides of the face and still let you see out to protect the head and the face God in Isaiah is seen as the righteous savior of his people the avenger against enemies and here Christ who bore God's wrath in our stead is God has as he is avenger and judge and our helmet of salvation protecting us from our enemies, salvation past, present, and future. It is the Lord, our head, who protects our head. We put him on as our helmet uh, to protect our thinking, to take every thought captive in Christ. These are not separate little things. 
When you get Jesus, you get it all. Isn't that amazing? (laughs) But it helps sometimes to look at the individual images that God's given us in His Word and to say, wow, that's what I have in Jesus. And that's what protects me from these things. Sixth, speak, not just stand, but speak in Christ our gospel word, the sword of the Spirit, the word of God. Ephesians 6, 17, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayers and supplications. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. And also for me, Paul says, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Hebrews 4, 12. My birthday is April 12th. That's one of my favorite verses, Hebrews 4, 12. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart, The Word of God, remember last week if you were here, 1 Corinthians 1 and 2, it's the mind of Christ, the Word of the cross, that when our eyes are opened in new birth, gives us not vague, strange words up there, but a gospel that cuts us to the heart and divides our motives from our thoughts so we can see ourselves honestly. This is practical stuff that the discernment we long for in these prayers is giving us. Not vague stuff for Christians to argue about or uh, sell more books about. It's that which is there in the gospel that teaches us how to discern the truth of our hearts and our motives in our relationships. And this little sword of the Spirit is the close combat, machaira, a short sword, even a dagger for cutting and stabbing, distinct, targeted wounds, different than the broadsword. It's the rhema of God, the word applied to a specific need. The word of God to be discerned in the spirit, not some otherworldly word, but the word of truth, the gospel, Ephesians 1.13, the truth we speak in love in order to grow up in every way in Christ. I need people to speak those kinds of words to me like the Apostle Paul does, to tell me, David, you've become condescending. That, David, you're talking about we and they in the church. That you're dividing life group from life group or elders from pastors or pastors from elders or go on down the list. You need this sword of the Lord, the short one, to show you your motives and your heart. This is important, practical stuff. The truth that we heard in Christ, we're taught in Him, the truth that's in Jesus The truth that putting away falsehood and worldly lesser loves, we speak with our neighbors. Without this truthing, uh, we give no opportunity. We will give the devil opportunities. As I wrap this up, I'm not quite sure how to say this. I'm going to try to say it fast. If I can't say it well, uh, we'll come back to it. But one of the things, if you really understood what the Scripture says about Jesus and who He is last week, the wisdom of God, here, the Word of God to both avenge His enemies and protect His people, you understand that one of the reasons Jesus is seen as arrogant, first of all, it's because sometimes we, the church, think we own Him. 
instead of knowing that he needs to slice and dice our motives as much as the world's. And we begin to make a religion out of Jesus, and so people say, as the world's become more diverse and multicultural right in our own neighborhoods, uh, people say, well, Christianity is just one other religion. Well, if that's all it is, then that's all it is. But the truth that is in Jesus is one that shakes up and condemns everybody. It condemns the church first. Judgment begins with the household of God. We are the people that most want the Word of God, if we really are Jesus, to show us the reality that every human religion, including Christianity viewed as a religion, is at root a distortion of God's truth. Unless we can discern differences between the values and truth that our rebellious human hearts will give us, even in religion, we won't see how different the truth revealed in Jesus is. And many different parts of ongoing human rebellion against the living God make it hard to hear about Jesus, who is the loving and healing one, who comes to us out of our great need and our great confusion, but calls us to bow before him, not simply to receive his incredible grace and forgiveness that we desperately need, but to remind us of the goodness of our physical bodies and what God has to say about them in a world that's distorting that to remind us of the goodness of the entire material world. We're stewards of the material world. We're stewards of the actions of our bodies, but we are not gods over the material world. We're gods over our bodies. And it's not Christianity as a human religion that says that. It's Jesus. It's part of who He is. And if you let that get taken off into politics, you've been stolen away by the darts of the enemy. This is the truth that it is in Jesus that tells you who you are and what you are and tells you that this gracious gospel is at heart a call of restoration to walk with God, God the Father and His Son by the Spirit. When Jesus said in Matthew 28, 18 through 20 about uh, being my witnesses in the world, He also said, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. That often gets dropped off. There's a wonderful saying today that says doctrine isn't important. It doesn't matter. Do you know what I just did? I gave you a doctrinal statement. Doctrine doesn't matter and it isn't important. And that's based on somebody's presupposition. And before you put faith in that statement, you better figure out who's got the authority and the perspective to claim that truth doesn't matter. Anybody that lies to you has a basis for their lies. And I'm saying to you that ultimately Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. The Word of God alone can speak truth to humble every human ideology, moving it towards creational realities and foundational respect. And as we said last week, uh, sometimes what the world today and we today can think is wrong about religion, uh, sometimes life just shows it up. Uh, Think about this. 90% of Muslims live between Southeast Asia and the Middle East and North Africa. 95% of Hindus live in or around India. 88% of Buddhists live in East Asia. And almost every one of those, especially some, say there's only one language. 
And the sacred book, to be understood, has to be read there. And I think these statistics are a little out of date, but Jesus' followers live 25% in Europe, 25% in Central and South America, 22% in Africa, 15% in Asia, and 12% in North America. The only truly diverse major faith in the world is faith in Jesus. And we're always trying to make it into national churches. Orthodoxy can do that politically as well as any other group. But the reality is if Jesus is truly Jesus, he breaks down every barrier. And he teaches people to love their neighbors and build hospitals for their enemies. And it can spill out and help countries, but countries come and go. But Jesus doesn't. He's our armor. He protects us from loving his creation more than him, from loving ourselves more than our friends and spouses and children and neighbors. So I say to you as we close, O church, arise and put your armor on that you may be strong in the strength of his might and that you may be able to stand in the evil day. Would you rise and sing as the musicians come and lead us? As our brothers and sisters come and lead us. This is a new song we're going to sing that's